Thank you, worship team. Again, if this is your first time at Impact Church, we want to say welcome to you. If you are here honoring your family, in just a short bit, we're going to dedicate those children to the Lord and the parents that are here. Before we do that, um, because you're in our house, we just want you to know that there is a God in heaven who loves you. And he loves you with an everlasting love. That means there's nothing you can do, nothing you have done, nothing you will do that can separate his great love for you. His love is eternal. God cannot change who he is. The Bible says he is love. It's just who he is. And so you need to know that today, no matter how close or how far you are from God, his love is eternal and his love is present and it's for you today. And it's a great love. It's a love that has changed lives. It is a love that has restored relationships. It is, it is a love that conti just continuously pours out over our lives, even when we're not aware of it. If you could still breathe right now, it's not just oxygen you're taking in, it's the love of God allowing you to continue to have breath in your body. And so today is we get ready to, to not just dedicate children, we wanna take a moment and pause and just say our God is great and his love for us is great. And we pray today that you will experience that and receive that. And I do understand in the room, we, we have a, a reason to be here. Okay? Whatever your reason is, there's a reason to be here. Our reason is so that you can experience this great love of God. And that you can feel his presence drawing you, beckoning you, pulling you in closer than ever before. There's an old song that we used to sing back in the day that simply says, He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. You know this one? Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. It's really simple, right? Just as about God says, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how. Any church people in the place today? They just say back to God, say, I love you, Lord. Oh, how I love you, Lord. Oh, how I love you, Jesus. Oh, how I love See, I mean, I'm in God's house, so I'm just going to tell him today, the Lord, I love you. Oh, how I love I love because you first loved me. Oh. Love isn't just found in, in, the, in the kind and gracious and, and, and wonderful things that God does for us. It's also in those things that he does to correct us. Come on, somebody. And, and, and discipline us and, and instruct us along the way. And as, as we uh, kind of get ready for the dedication, I couldn't help but think of how the Holy Spirit's always dealing with us. Tiana, can you give them that video? Because the Holy Spirit is always, I think, dealing Don't with us like it. this. I'm about to do something dumb, right? Don't do it. But the no. Holy Ghost is like. No. No. No! No! Come on, somebody. No! <laughs> Can I get an amen for those who know exactly what I'm talking about? I feel, a, I feel God all the time. No! No! Hebrews 11.6, Pastor Old Goldie read a little bit ago. It is impossible to please God without faith. Everyone say faith. This is so important today. I want you to, to grasp 
what it is that we as Christians hold today, faith. Anyone who wants to come to God must believe that God is, that he exists, and that he rewards those who sincerely or diligently seek after him. I know that this has already been established, but I just want to remind you that God is not moved by your needs. You have needs. You are moved by your needs. You're moved by your wants. You're moved by your desires, but God is not moved by those things. God is moved by faith. Faith is what moves him, and I, I want you to know that he has a reward ready today. God is not about a welfare system. God is about a reward system, and he has something for your life today, but you must come to him in faith. Faith is how we receive what God has. Throughout this entire chapter of Hebrews 11, it's, it's what we as Christians define as the, the hall of faith. We call it the hall of faith because the author in here mentions multiple men and women alike who distinguish themselves in the Old Testament as heroes. You ever heard the story of David and Goliath? Uh, Hebrews 11, amen, someone said yes, okay, right on. Hebrews 11 speaks of David's great faith. Ultimately, that's what it took to, to, to slay the giants. It, it speaks of Joshua. Joshua was the man who had such great faith that one time he prayed to God for the sun to literally stand still. And for 23 plus hours, it did not move from that spot. Great faith caused that to happen. Hebrews 11 also speaks of men like Samson, and if you were here a couple months ago, I spent an entire series talking about the great faith that Samson also had because when his enemies would try to, to bind him or, or, or fight him or, or stop him or harm him, one time he grabbed the, the jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand of his enemies. Great faith is displayed in, in Hebrews 11, and it also explains other heroes, some who defeated entire armies, some heroes who shut the mouths of, of lions, some heroes who performed great miracles, other heroes who even raised the dead, and they all accomplished these things and more, Hebrews 11 says, by one thing, by faith, by faith. So we have this entire chapter in Hebrews 11. It's a list of all these heroes of faith and, and these things that they've accomplished. But what I want to show you, just I just want to highlight for a few moments is, is just this. In the middle of all of these accolades, there's four names that just, just seem out of place. There's no, they don't really fit the quote-unquote hero status for the Hall of Faith, except for the one thing that they all did. Let me show you this real quick. Hebrews 11, verse 7, the very next verse says this. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat, here it is, to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God. God is one who warned him about things that had never happened even before. By faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world. It means he was preaching constantly. The Bible actually says he preached for 100 years, letting people know what was going to happen. And the only people who believed him were his own family, just his family. His three sons and their wives, they're the only ones to accept this message. And so he condemned the world by faith, but he received righteousness that comes through faith. Verse 7, verse 23. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them a beautiful child, an unusual child, if you will, a unique child. And they were not afraid to disobey Pharaoh's command. And then verse 31. It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. In fact, here's what we did. If, if I don't have this, Joshua chapter two, this is exactly what happened. 
She said to the two spies that she was protecting, she said, swear to me by the Lord that you will spare my family and save us from death. It was by faith, by faith that she was not destroyed with everyone else in the city of Jericho. So what's the point? What what am I getting at? What's the one thing that made these four people so remarkable in the eyes of God? All four of them did one thing. They all saved their families by faith. By faith. Go back to verse 7 real quick. Noah. Noah didn't do anything special. He just built a boat. It was a big boat. That's all. He just built a boat. But what happened? Eight people. His, his family was saved. So the lineage continued on. Noah was, if, and I know this is going to seem odd to those of us who don't necessarily believe this, but Noah was 500 years old. Don't tell me you're too old to do anything for God. Can you imagine that birthday cake, y'all? <laughs> How many candles on top of it? 500 years old. <laughs> when, when, when God says to him, I need you to build an ark for the saving of your family. His kids are grown, but God says, it's never too late to save your family. I'm trying to speak to somebody's spirit today. I know you feel like it's too late, but it's never too late to begin to build an ark of safety for your family. It's never too late to see God intervene in supernatural and powerful ways and even cleanse your family of generational curses. I just need you to know, God does some of his best work when we think it's too late. Noah. Also Moses. Moses' parents in particular. Moses' family. What did his parents do? All they did was hide him. By faith. They hid him. And, and I think, yes, here's why. They saw that God had given them a beautiful child. I'm going to be 100% honest. Uh, uh, my brothers were all beautiful babies. All three of my brothers, my, my, my two sisters, they were beautiful babies. But my father tells us the story that when I was born... I'm not lying to y'all. My dad was like, what ugly child is this? It was like a Christmas song. What ugly child is this? Uh, He literally said, whose ugly child is this? The Bible tells us that that something about Moses was so unique and and, and so beautiful that even though Pharaoh had issued a decree that all Hebrew baby boys were to be killed, there was a faith that rose up on the inside of Moses' parents, and they said there's something unique about this child. So what did did they do? They hid him. They, They defied the decree of their king, and they hid him. I just need you to know that from the very beginning of time, there is an enemy that is set to destroy your family, to kill your legacy, to kill your heritage. Satan knows what he's doing because he understands there's power in a family. So he's done everything he can to destroy what God has designed. But I need you to know today in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 4, it reveals something so awesome. It tells us to fight for our families. And when we begin to fight for our families, something supernatural happens. Nehemiah said, if you'll fight for your family, God in heaven will fight for you. And if you don't know this, God has never lost a battle in thousands of years. His winning percentage is 1,000. It always has been and it always will be. So if you want to be a hero in your family, learn from Moses' parents. I want to be a hero. Then hide your family. Hide them. Satan is trying to destroy their innocence. What do I I mean by by hide them? Because I get it. You can't hide them forever. I I understand. I I get it. 
My God, just, just the advent of YouTube alone means I can hardly hide my kids from anything anymore. Come on, somebody. I, I remember growing up, we used to watch cartoons. Now they watch craziness. So what, 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 what is this on YouTube? How do I restrict your access? Good Lord. How do I hide you from things you're not ready to comprehend? How, how do I hide you from this? Moses' parents hid him, hid him, hid him. And, and I, I do understand that, that your children, maybe they're grown, maybe, maybe, they're, maybe they're teenagers now, and, and maybe they're not in their formative years, but you can still hide them. What I mean is you can still protect them. You can still guide them. You can still, you can still guard them. You can still teach them. This is, this is satanic. Don't listen to that lie. This is confusion. Don't believe that about yourself. You can still guard their hearts. And, and above all else, you can keep fighting for your family in prayer, even if they're grown. And I just want to tell somebody here today, if they're still young, then keep guarding them. Keep sheltering them. Keep hiding them. Keep protecting them. And when necessary, even if you don't like it, grab a paddle and whoop them. No. I will not. And that's why your children are crazy. I kid, but ultimately what the scripture says, fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. I'm trying to encourage you to, to learn to hide your children. But even if you failed them, I need you to know there's a God in heaven who never fails. And he can redeem all the wrong you've done. Amen. Amen. Lastly, and this one seems the most odd, that, that this individual would be included in the hall of faith. We've got Noah, we've got Moses' parents, and then we've got Rahab. The old covenant calls her the, the harlot. The Bible says it plainly. She was a harlot. Now, if you have no idea what that is, please don't Google it now. But on your way home, ask somebody. Okay? And, and what the scriptures ultimately show us is that why, why would this woman be included in God's hall of faith? You know what I love about God? He, he's about including details that we would exclude. Ooh, and I need you to know the reason that he included this detail so that everybody under the sound of my voice today would know this, that there is nothing in your family's background, nothing in your family's history, nothing that you've done or they've done that is more powerful than the grace of God, than the mercy of God, than the forgiveness of God, than the love of God, than the power of God. Nothing is greater than God. And I don't care who you are, where you're from, what you did. Listen, God still loves you. And nothing is greater than his love for you. And I believe what he wants to do today is he wants to turn you into a hero for your family. Amen. So I look at these four heroes and, and I realize they didn't have mega miracles. Right? They weren't parting the Red Sea. They weren't killing lions. They weren't slaying Goliaths. They didn't have mega churches. I mean, literally, it's just one verse for each of them. They didn't have mega armies. They didn't conquer cities. But they did have enough faith to save their families. And I just came to encourage somebody today, keep doing everything you can to teach, to lead, to speak, to protect, to bring to church, to, to point your family to Jesus. Keep doing that because if you keep doing that, then guess what? God says you're just as great as David and just as great as Samson and just as great as Joseph and just as great as Gideon and just as great as Abraham. If you'll keep doing what you can do to point your family to Jesus, God wants you 
to know today, in his eyes, you are just as much a hero of the faith as all of our Old Testament heroes. And if you haven't heard anyone else or anything else that I've said today, if you have not literally just been zoning me out the entire time, you can't wait to move on, okay, then please hear this. It's, it's my topic for today. It's my sermon title. I'm giving it to you at the end of my message. Put faith in your children. Now, I want to make sure I'm clear on what I'm not saying. I didn't say have faith in your children. Yes, believe in them. Absolutely, but that's not what I just said. I said put faith in your children. Is that even possible even if they're grown and gone? Yes. Paul said this to Timothy one time in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He said, I am reminded of your sincere faith. Well, where did that come from? Which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded it now lives in you. Ladies and gentlemen, put faith in. I know you invest a lot in. I, I know you put a lot of money in. I know you drive them everywhere and, and you do everything you can. I know you put food in their bellies. I, I know you put them in uh, positions and situations to succeed. I, I realize all the things you're trying to put in them, but the scriptures make it clear that something about faith can be transferable. And, and so Paul says, put faith in. Paul says it. I didn't, I'm not saying, Paul, put faith in your family. He's not saying an abstract kind of faith, you know, a conceptual kind of thing where, where here's what I know about abstract faith. It's, it's really not faith at all because it has no definition. It, it has no manifestation. And really, if you have abstract faith, you're nothing different than an atheist. So I'm not talking about abstract faith. And I'm not even talking about ceremonial faith but because Paul tells us ultimately ceremonial faith isn't enough. And if you've been raised in church, I'm glad you've been raised in church. And, and I believe you have faith in the church, but that's not what Paul is talking about because if you only have ceremonial faith, then the next time we'll see you is at the next ceremony at Christmas or Easter. God is not wanting just abstract or ceremonial faith. Paul is talking about put faith in your children. That means give them transferable faith. Let them see it in you. Model it. Live it. Speak it. When you mess up, let them know God's grace is still greater than my sin and let it transfer to the next generation. Paul says put faith in your children. It's a transferable kind of faith. Can I tell you today, you cannot have a distant relationship with God and then hope and pray that your children will have a devoted one. You, you, you cannot have a lukewarm relationship with Jesus and then hope that maybe you can transfer a passionate love for Jesus to your children. They're going to see it in you. What I'm simply trying to say is this. You can't transfer what you profess. You can only transfer what you possess. And I just want to take a moment right now and thank God for every praying mama and grandma and every person in your life that got on their knees and sought God on your behalf that didn't give up on you when you didn't even want anything to do with God. If you've got anybody like that in your life or if that's you for your family, can you just put your hands together and say, thank you, Lord, for transferable faith. Amen. Because I believe that God is not just, he's not just looking for more faith heroes. I believe God is looking for family heroes. And sometimes you have to be the one to begin the miracle in your family. Some of you today, if you can, I believe you can hear this. Some of you are hearing this right now. You're hearing God speak to you and say, be the one. Be the one. Be the one. Be the hero in your family. 
teach them faith. Establish faith. I'm the only one. That's, it's got to start with just one. One is enough. Because one with God are always the majority. Always. So today I believe you, I believe you can hear God saying that be a hero in the faith. Be a hero in faith. Not conceptual faith. Not abstract faith. Not ceremonial faith. Personal faith. Because it's personal faith. It was in your grandmother and in your mother. That personal faith becomes transferable to your children's children. Ladies and gentlemen, in this place today, I want you to know I stand before you as a third generation pastor, not because of ceremony and not because of concepts, but because something was transferable from my grandfather to my father to me that I am passing on to any generation that will follow after me. I want them to know I'm, I'm human and I screw up and I say things that I should and I do things that I shouldn't, but I've got a faith that has kept me and I've got a God that has been good to me and I want you to know that God for yourself personally. So yes, I force them to come to church, but I'm believing that time is going to come where they're going to meet Jesus face to face for themselves and what I've received is going to be transferred to them on a personal level. Amen. Is that your prayer for your family today? For just a moment, can we all over this room? If, if, you, are, if you are desirous to, to say my generations, we, we've broken the, the lineage of alcohol. We've broken the lineage of, of satanic curses. And we, we've broken the lineage of, uh, of, of royal mistakes. And we've broken those things. And, and now we've got a new legacy we're leaving. It's a legacy of faith. If that is your desire today, can you just lift your hand with me right now? Right now and say, Father, we ask you in this space and in this place to help us establish a godly legacy, a godly lineage. God, we are asking today that you would begin to show us, show us your great grace. Show us the areas of our life that need to be transformed, that, that need to be renewed. Show us the, the, the way we think and, and speak and, and act and conduct ourselves that is not in any way representative of, of a person who knows Jesus. Instead, God, allow us today, allow us to be in this very place today, allow us to hear your voice speaking and telling us, be the one, be the one, be the miracle for your family, be the hero in your family, be the one that establishes a godly legacy, a godly lineage, one that knows God and, and follows God. And ladies and gentlemen, know this, God is wanting to be met by you today right where you are. God wants to reward you. It's, it's just part of his persona his personality. He's a rewarder of those who seek him in faith. So today, I just ask you to, to surrender everything to God right where you are because you're saying, I, I want to be a hero. And so the greatest heroes sometimes are the ones who ultimately humble themselves before God so that God can exalt them and God can use them. And so Lord, I ask you right now to soften our hearts, to change our minds, to draw us back to your love. God, those of us who recognize no one else has done this in my family before, but I'm going to start it today, or we've fallen away, but today we're going to begin again. Lord, let a godly heritage begin today, and we command all the lies of Satan, all demonic power that has fought our family, every generational curse that tries to keep us down and bound. We declare them to be broken in the name of Jesus. Now I release over you today, family, heroes in the faith, heroes in the faith, may you receive the courage the boldness, the fortitude, and the grace to be the one in your family. 
and I pray for unity within in Jesus name amen and amen amen how many believe that God is good and that he's rewarding those who seek him in faith amen all right now that I've got my speech out of the way we're excited to dedicate today 10 yes 10 children to the Lord come on somebody put your hands together and say amen <laughs> hallelujah I'm going to do my best now to be a little bit more uniform the Word of God gets me excited I, I, there's a passion in my 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 bones Jeremiah said it's like fire if I try to stay quiet it's just it won't allow me to but now I'm going to be a little more ceremonial y'all ready pray for me huh? the ceremony that we're about to conduct today it draws its inspiration directly from Scripture God is going to do for us today what Jacob did for Joseph's sons in Genesis 48 he said this bring them to me and I will bless them that's what God is going to do for the parents and the children here today the ceremony is it's reminiscent of Samuel's mother Hannah bringing him to the tabernacle and dedicating him to the service of the Lord in 1 Samuel 1. And I need you to know that even Jesus' earthly parents, Mary and Joseph, brought him to the temple to be dedicated to the service of the Lord. So if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Child dedication boldly declares three foundational truths about the human condition. Number one, all of your children, they are precious to God. They are lives that are sacred. Here's why. Because they're created in the image and in the likeness of the Almighty. Therefore, they have the capacity built within to know Him, to have relationship with Him. The second thing that baby, uh, baby dedication or child dedication ultimately tells us about the human condition is that really, in spite of how beautiful your baby is, your baby's a sinner. Sorry. We're all born into sin. And so the dedication reminds me that we need to be redeemed and that there's nothing within me that I can do to earn salvation for myself. I will never be good enough. I will never be holy enough. I will never be right enough. I need a redeemer. So the last foundational truth that child dedication does for us is it lets me know that Jesus alone is enough to redeem me, to change me, to sanctify me, and ultimately to bring me to the Father. Jesus is the one who invited children to him because he knew better than anyone. They need him as well. Acts 4.12 says, There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So to the parents that are going to dedicate their children in this room today and to every parent in this room, in order for your children to know God and to love God and to obey God, there are four things you need to give your children. Number one is this, give them instruction, instruction. To all the parents that are present here today, I'm going to charge you with the same instruction that Moses gave the Israelites. It's from the Pentateuch. It reads this way in Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your hearts and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. 
What is Moses instructing us? He's letting us know, look, it, it's not the responsibility of the government to, or, or the school system or even the church to instill character and conviction in your child. It's your job and God is gonna hold you accountable. So the first thing you wanna give your children is instruction, instruction. The second thing you wanna give them, and I, I know it's really hard for this generation, is correction. Proverbs 19, 18 says, discipline your children while there is hope. Come on, somebody. I love that verse. While there's still hope, discipline them now. What I've learned about children is when they have defined boundaries, when they learn to obey authority, they're actually learning how to one day receive God's correction when it comes. Because if I know anything about God, if you just keep reading Hebrews 11 into Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12 tells us that the Lord disciplines those he loves. The proof of his love isn't just what he gives me, it's how he corrects me. So you need to learn to give your children correction as well. And when your children learn that no actually means no, guess what? It'll get instilled in them. And then eventually when Satan comes to tempt them, they'll understand no means no. And when, when the flesh and the impulses of the human sinful nature try to pull them into addiction, you've taught them at a young age, no means no. And when they hear the voice of God saying, child, come to me, you're going to have instilled enough correction and discipline in them that when God says come, they say yes. Yes, God, your will be done in my life. I meant to be ceremonial, sorry. The third thing that we need to give our children is blessing. Joseph brings his two sons before his father, Jacob, and he says, these are my sons. And Jacob says, bring them and I will bless them. And he crosses his hands over and lays the blessing, puts it, literally transfers it onto them on the heads of his grandchildren. In the Old Testament, parents would lay their hands on their children because they believed that the blessing of God was transferable. This is why when Jesus was teaching and, and healing and raising the dead in his ministry, even casting on demons, parents would bring their children. Mark 10 tells us parents brought their children to Jesus. Why? So he could touch them and bless them. Verse 16, so Jesus took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. And here today, if no one has ever done this before in your life, today I want you to start a new biblical tradition of laying your hands on your children and praying blessings over them. Why? Because with God's blessings come God's peace, come God's prosperity, come, come God's provision, come God's protection. It's all right there in Deuteronomy chapter 28. So give them instruction, give them correction, give them blessings, and lastly, give them an example. In truth, this whole ceremony is not actually for your child. It's for you. <laughs> and, and why is this ceremony not just for the children? Why is it for the parents? Here's why. Because children actually don't even learn genuine Christianity in church. They learn the nuances. They learn the movements. They learn the words. But they learn genuine Christianity at home. Yes, yes, ladies and gentlemen, I, I will do everything I can to teach them and pray for them, and, and I will do everything I can to live by faith, and I will do everything I can to, to teach them how to give to God, but it doesn't matter how much I teach them. You show them how to give and how to love and how to forgive and how to serve. You show them genuine Christianity. So again, as Paul said to Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith. Why? Because you had an example, Timothy. It lived first in your grandmother, 
and in your mother, not persuaded, and now also lives in you. So ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I want to invite all the parents along with their children that are going to be dedicated today. And as they come forward, would you please put your hands together and help me celebrate our family and their children as they come to dedicate them to the Lord today.